the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrets Toth, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferrets Toth. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. Well, if you've been listening to this show, you know I make a lot of, uh, well, comments about uh, the current political situation, particularly when it in- impacts our money, economic impact, that is. And I've held off this last couple of weeks, primarily waiting to see how the first of the year would go. Uh, there's been this speaker uh, fight with the, Amer- uh, with, the, <laughs> with the Republicans. I wanted to wait and see how it all shook, shook out before I made any comment on it, because, well, frankly, prior to that would have been, you know, just guesstimation, if you know what I mean. So I've got a lot of lot of stuff to cover uh, today, but uh, so I'm going to get right to it. The first thing I want to really uh, address is, of course, the latest CPI numbers. That's the Consumer Price Index. And that that is in, in extremely important because those are the numbers that the Federal Reserve is watching closely you know, in terms of whether they're going to raise rates or how much more, or how much longer, and all those kinds of things. So the latest CPI numbers, of course, came out, and they came out slightly lower than the previous month, which is is somewhat good news. They came out at 6.5%. Uh, it is a decline from the 7.1% uh, recorded in November of 2022. And I, uh, predictably, we have people coming out saying, oh, this is a new trend, and the tide has turned, improvement's now a prevailing trend. Well, folks, it's far too early to determine that. Um, we will see. We will see. Uh, again, it's the first, uh, first or second month where it started to go down a little bit. The problem is food prices increased by 0.3%, which is a big deal in one month, and shelter prices increased nearly 1%, 0.8 actually. Energy prices did fall back 4.5% month to month from November to December of 2022. And that's because of a decline in, um, primarily a decline in demand for energy, um, most predominantly because China has gone back into lockdown uh, measures uh, from COVID. So with China using less oil, less fuel, less energy, the worldwide prices are going to go down. That's just a matter of, uh, you know, supply and demand, right? So they're trying to take credit for some of those things that, frankly, are, in my opinion, not the government's, uh, you know, there's they nothing to take credit for here. And they're trying to say, well, 6.5 isn't so bad. Folks, if we went back a year or so and we said inflation was 6, 6.5%, you would have thought that's horrible. It just it's better than seven percent or so. Okay, that granted, but it's still far higher. And remember, the mandate for the Federal Reserve is two percent inflation, so it's still three times, threefold higher than um, what the Federal Reserve wants to see. So clearly, we're going to see some more interest rate hikes and more tightening of monetary 
um, policy until that's what the Federal Reserve is telling us until they get this under under control. Another big thing that's come out, of course, holiday spending. Uh, Holiday spending is a big deal because about two thirds of the economy is consumer spending. And of course, the by far the largest amount of consumer spending occurs during the Christmas season. And what's disturbing, this is something that's kind of disturbing, is the average amount of debt among those who spent beyond their means rose to over $1,500, which is a 24% increase over the previous year. In other words, people that took on debt to purchase, purchase gifts for Christmas, all right, they spent 24% more on average than they did a year prior. That is a huge increase. Of course, the majority of that is because of inflation. Now, this is interesting. We always see these CPI numbers, and I've talked about this so often. And here's an example of this. You know, when they say uh, consumer price index, inflation is up, say, 6.5% is what they're saying. That is a very, very select uh, group of items that the government is using to measure inflation. And and the reality is how they're doing it is they're – Using the purchasing of, say, and I don't know the exact items. I could do some research on this. But they're using items like um, uh, milk or something that you purchase frequently and, say, an appliance, which you might purchase once every, you know, number of years, maybe once a decade, right? And they're, they're equaling their weight. And so, in other words, how often do you buy a gallon of milk, let's say, versus an appliance, a refrigerator, Right. Obviously, food is purchased far more frequently, along with energy, than appliances and things like that. Well, by leveling it out, it's a, it's a statistical trick. I share this with people all the time, is by weighing them all out, if your highest inflation, which is typically true, happens to be food and energy, it, 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 it reduces the impact so the CPI numbers don't look as bad. So it makes the government look better. But it's not really truly a true measure of inflation for the average American. All right. If you were to take and I've said this so many times and this is unofficial, of course, I do budgeting for lots of my clients and we look at their budgets and different things and what they're spending. And I've been I've been saying this for a while now that if you look at the spending that the average household is spending on normal household items, nothing extravagant, food, clothing, housing, the basics. There, what I'm seeing is 20 to 30 percent increases, and this holiday spending result is, you know, bears that fact. It is just, it's another point of fact showing that the average person who took on debt to purchase Christmas gifts spent 24 percent more in 2022 than they did in 2021, the year prior. So, in other words, inflation for Christmas at least went up 24 percent in one year. I think, personally, that's a far better measure of what, of what true inflation is and what it really is costing people, okay? And I've got some more, uh, uh, more on that here in a, in a minute you're going to hear. Also, um, the percentage of debtors who expect to take five months or more to pay off their debt, their Christmas debt, rose from 28 to 38, 37%. So, in other words, the average person who took on debt to purchase Christmas gifts spent 24% more than they did a year before, and over a third of them now expected to take them five months or longer to pay that off at the Christmas hangover, if you will. Now, the people who are affected by this the most, of course, are parents with minor children earning between 50 and 100 k 
folks, that's the middle class, right? And millennials between the ages of 26 and 41 are the ones most likely to use debt to finance their holiday spending. All right? Those, <laughs> you know, when Biden said he wasn't going to raise taxes on anyone over earning less than 400000 folks, inflation is a tax. It's an insidious tax, as we've said so often, impacts the poor and the middle class more, far more than the wealthy. And here it is right here, in, right in our face. The other thing that, that, that's happened, and last thing I want to share, and we're going to jump into some more things, but the total level of consumer loans in the past year increased from $1.5 trillion to $1.8 trillion. That is a huge increase, okay? Here's the biggest one, though. That, that's from the Federal Reserve. But this is from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, and this one is, this one is eye-opening. It's, basically, it's stating that at the beginning of the Biden administration, the personal savings rate was a, a, a average about 20%, and today is now less than 3%. What does that mean? What it means is this inflation that we've been, been dealing with now for over a year that is impacting people not at 6 7% like the government's trying to tell us, but in reality is impacting people in the 20 to 30% increase in their basic spending, food, clothing, housing. A lot of these people, the average Americans, middle class and such, have been dipping into savings to continue financing their lifestyle. And the pers- with the personal savings rate dropping from 20%, to less than three over the past two years is a huge, I mean a huge drop. It's getting to the point where the average American is going to run out of savings. And that that time frame, I've heard different experts talk about when they expect this to happen. Many of them are predicting somewhere around mid-2023 when the average American will run out of savings and they've been dipping into those savings for the past couple of years to maintain their cost, their, their spending, their cost of living, their lifestyle, if you will. Folks, this is a huge, huge deal because, again, two-thirds of, of uh, the economy is consumer spending. When large numbers of people finally stop spending because they have to, they don't have any more money, okay, They've run out of savings, okay? They can't borrow more. They don't want to borrow more. And certainly when you're borrowing with high interest rate scenarios like we are now, it costs more to borrow. It's more detrimental to borrow. That will cause a slowdown in consumer purchasing, which will result. That's why you're hearing so many people talk about and concerned about having a recession happening in 2023. Everything we look at, and everything that everything points to that being exactly the case. So it does appear from everything that I see and everything I read and every expert, <laughs> let's put it this way, every credible re- expert that um, I've read or seen or heard talk about, it, it just increasingly appears that we will see a recession in t- sometime in 2023. And the best guess is starting about middle of the year. Why am I sharing this information? Well, it's, it's very important to know this kind of stuff because if, if you know, you can plan accordingly. One of the things, too, is having, uh, having cash reserves 
is more important during a recession than at any other time and for you know to take care of the unexpected things letting the money just sit there in the bank though and earn next to no interest doesn't make a lot of sense that's why your personal bank may, can make a lot of sense as a way to park some money earn up to 6% dividends insured guaranteed tax free and have that cash reserve if and when you need it all right and at least it's not um if it's earning some money along the way, you're not going backwards. Let's just sit, use the CPI number, 6.5% a year. If you're earning 6% dividends, you're going backwards a little bit, but not very much. And again, you want something where it's safe and guaranteed because, well, as we've all seen, putting things in the markets, we'll talk about this in the next segment. It's been an incredibly rough year for the stock market, 2022 has been. And uh, real estate is starting to look, uh, is not being any prettier uh, prices are dropping uh, all over, everywhere you look, just about. But in particular, in areas like in the West and and uh, you know the normal the normal suspects. You know what I'm saying? The West, Florida, places like that. So my point is, having a place to diversify, put your money safe, makes some sense. If you want to contact me with uh, want more information, contact me at toll. Uh, well, it's uh, yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's yourpersonalbank.com. And stay tuned in the next segment. We'll talk about some additional things that I think you'll find very important. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And one of the things I forgot to mention right before the uh uh, the the break is my sound engineer reminded me and said uh, he forgot to leave the phone number and uh, it's to, for folks to contact you and it's toll free eight six six two four eight four four two two. Um, so anyway, sorry about that. It's uh, it's one of those things. Oh, I just did it wrong. Eight six six two six eight four four two two. Again, it's eight six six two six eight four four two two. If you want to learn how to take control of your money, gain access to it have guaranteed returns, uh, all that good stuff, and uh, navigate this uh, financial crisis that I believe we're dealing with, continuing to deal with. And uh, it, uh, unfortunately, I wish I had more good news. I think we're looking at getting worse before it gets better. And I've got a number of reasons why. And, and, and first, before I go any further, I just want to say I'm not a pessimist. I'm not ne- normally a negative person and, and – uh, I'm very much an optimist, actually. But there are so many uh, things, bad things, happening, in ter- particularly from the, uh, oh, how should I say, the uh, from the financial standpoint of things right now, um, it's hard to be positive. It's hard to be optimistic. And here's another reason why. So the debt ceiling. So this is one of the things that a lot of people are somewhat familiar with, but not so much. Basically, the bottom line is this. The government is allowed to spend, government can spend up to a certain amount. There's a ceiling of debt that's in place. And then each time the government approaches that debt ceiling, Congress has, has to vote to increase the debt ceiling. It's, it's like you have a credit card and you have to go to the, uh, and you max out your credit card and you wanted to borrow more from that card. And you got to go to the bank or the lender and get authorization to spend more. It's really that simple. Now, 
for the past several decades, there's been some fights to a degree in terms of raising that debt ceiling. But I do believe we're in for a major battle coming up sooner than most people expected, and here's why. See, the current debt ceiling right now is $31.4 trillion. And the, the most recent estimates were showing that, that that number would be hit somewhere around third quarter of 2023. Well, guess what, folks? The federal government has just now come out and announced <clears throat> that they're probably going to hit the $31.4 trillion mark sometime in the month of January. Now, why is it that the government has moved forward this, um, why are they spending, you know, the borrowing amount, the amount they've borrowed and spent, why is it running out so much sooner? It was supposed to go to like third quarter of 2023, not first quarter. Well, why are they running out of money's funds sooner than expected? Two reasons. One happens to do with Biden's pause on student loan repayments. <clears throat> the thing is, the government is heavily involved in student loans particularly the public student loans, and they get monies for that, for paying that back. Well, what ends up happening is the taxpayer, if the borrower is not paying those back, of course the taxpayer is on the hook, right? And that's been the big argument, and there's a cost to that. So there's been net borrowing or cost as a result of that. The other reason is interest rates or the interest on the debt. The, the federal government has to pay interest on the bonds it issues, and it, the interest, you know, the T-bills, Treasury bills, interest has risen quite significantly this past year because of the Federal Reserve raising rates. In fact, the outlays, the cost for public debt has increased in the first quarter of 2023 by 32% over the previous year. So in other words, the federal government is spending 32% more on just interest payments on the debt than they were a year ago, which means they're going to run out of money far quicker than they originally thought. And here's the thing. It doesn't really matter what you think about politics or what you hear or anything else. This is something I think needs to be educated upon. People need to understand because we're going to hear a lot of stuff, a lot of politicians and whatnot going to try to throw a lot of mud on the wall about this and there's going to be a lot of scaremongering and everything else because people there's a group that's going to want to continue to spend more money, which has been historically the majority, almost all of the Democrats and even oftentimes half or more of the Republicans vote for these increases of spending, increases of debt. Well, I think for the first time, probably in my adult lifetime, we may see something different. And here's the reason why. Well, if you've been paying attention, I, start, I started mentioning this in the first segment. If you've been paying any attention to the speaker battle that occurred uh, where Kevin McCarthy finally became House Speaker after, I don't know, 15 votes or something, and the reasons behind it were because you had a group of Republicans, um, mostly conservative, fiscally uh, responsible, I call them, um, Republicans saying, no, we don't want to support Kevin McCarthy because we believe he's too much of a, a rhino. That's a common term for someone who's a Republican in name only, which really means 
that they're a lot of folks call them Democrat light or part of the Uniparty or whatever. In other words, they're part of the group that want that just, you know, the establishment types They keep continuing things uh, as they are. Keep, you know, the government as it is status quo. They're getting personal benefits as a result of it. Oftentimes. Well, there's a group of 20 House Republicans that said, you know what? No more. We're going to change how the uh, well, how government works and how Congress spends money. And, and fortunately, the because Republicans won such a narrow majority, this is one of the <laughs> turns out to be a side benefit. I know so many people are frustrated because there wasn't a red wave, so to speak, but it may turn out to be a blessing in disguise. And what I mean by that is you now have Republicans who are part of what's called the House of the Freedom Caucus, and they are fiscal responsibility. It does my heart good. They're talking about fiscal responsibility, okay? And they've forced they forced uh, the Speaker McCarthy to make a number of changes that will create more fiscal responsibility for the government going forward. And there's enough of them that if you know doesn't pass, the debt ceiling doesn't go up. This is going to be very interesting thing to watch going forward. And like I said, it's this could be very much a game changer. They played hardball. I've got to give them credit. Uh, I haven't seen that again probably in my adult lifetime where you had a group of Republicans actually stand up and do something significant. And the things that they got accomplished I think is awesome. They reverted back to where a single congressperson can make a move to uh, vote to remove the speaker. Now, of course, he has to lose the vote, but they can make the motion for the vote. Uh, they're going to look into the weaponization of the FBI and other um, other you know government agencies. They're going to put term limits up for a vote. Uh, okay, spending bills will no longer be these huge omnibus monsters that are passed on the midnight, so nobody really knows what's in them. Uh, there's going to be a 72-hour period minimum, and there's going to be single subject. There's 12 different departments of the federal government, so there will be 12 funding bills, okay? There, COVID mandates will be ended in the funding forum. There, and then budget bills would stop the endless increases in the debt ceiling, and this is where I think the big change may occur sooner than later. Run it up on hard breaks. I want to touch on this a little further because I think this is going to make a major difference and you want to be prepared for it. So stay tuned. Don't miss it. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Tooth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And I'm discussing some things that I believe coming up in the near future, the next few months that are going to have significant impacts on our money, the economy, uh, what's going on. Like I said, it's increasingly, like I said in the previous segments, looking like we're going to be facing a recession this year. Personal saving rates are getting down to below 3%, where they were 20% on average just two years ago. Inflation is still running extremely hot. Latest numbers are 6.5%, which is more than triple the the mandate the Federal Reserve has of 2% inflation. So we're looking at high interest rates, high inflation. Government spending has been at record levels the last several years in particular. But it looks like we're in for a real battle coming up very soon because the debt ceiling, which means the government's going to run out of money, is probably going to occur in the next month 
or less rather than third quarter of 2023 that was originally being reported or what many thought. And again, the reasons behind it are the increased government spending, the higher interest rates on that debt, and the record debt that's over $31 trillion now. So one of the things that the House Republicans, the holdouts, the, the fiscal, uh, re- fiscally responsible ones that I call them, who finally stood up for once in my lifetime, it does my heart good because we have to do something about this debt and this spending. This is why we're dealing with the inflation levels we're dealing with. We're dealing with the economic problems we're dealing with and likely going to have to deal with a recession before, sooner than later before all this is over. And why it does my heart so good, I guess I'll say this much. I, I've been reluctant for many, many years to identify myself as a Republican because, frankly, Republicans have not been fiscally responsible. They've spent much, as much money oftentimes as Democrats. There's been no real efforts that I've seen to curb government spending. It just seems to continue to increase and increase. And that's why I've identified myself as an independent, although, frankly, I am, you know, fiscally, I'm a fiscally responsible person or a fiscally conservative person, if you want to call it that. And I think there's many out there like that. And we finally have a group that has stood up and said, no, no more spending. And they have the power to do something about it. Finally, they forced Speaker McCarthy to these concessions to not allow. And one of the things they're doing is to not allow spending to increase above 2022 levels. This is a big deal, folks, and for the next 10 years, actually. So what it, what's going to end up happening, this is going to be a huge battle. I see it coming. They also changed to what's called a return-to-cut-as-you-go policy, which is different. They call it cut-go versus pay-as-you-go. Democrats, they would, when they, uh, it was a more aggressive spending stance, where they would they would off offset new spendings, but they could be either by spending cuts or tax increases. And pay-go rules were often waived entirely by Democrats anyway, so they didn't really follow their own rules. Now, the House rules are are a cut as you go policy, which means new legislation cannot be considered if it increases spending over a five or ten year period. They've got, and if they call, if a new policy requires new spending, they got to find offsetting spending cuts elsewhere in the budget. They've also called it, it, this. The rules also call for holding spending at 2022 levels across the board for the next ten years. So capping fiscal spending, and that's that's really exciting because, again, all that we've seen happen nearly every single year is the spending just increases. And folks, anybody who has an one iota of financial responsibility understands that is unsustainable. You cannot just continue spending more and more and more money and not expect some bad things to happen financially. It's going to, one of the things I share all the time is a great analogy is it's like we're on the Titanic and we see, we have identified there's an iceberg ahead. And we know if we hit that iceberg, we're going to sink. Now, we still have enough time, I believe, to turn, steer the ship around or away from the iceberg. 
The question is, are we going to, going to turn it? That's been the question for some time. I believe we finally, we will see, finally have a group of House Republicans who have stood up and said, have identified that iceberg and said, by golly, we're going to force turning that wheel. We're going to force the government to stop spending more money. And that's one of the best things that could ever happen from an economic standpoint for this country and for people that live in this country and want this country to continue to be the type of, uh, be the type of society that all of us have enjoyed you know, most of our lives, right? So this is exciting. It's going to be not easy. It's going to be a battle. Understand you're going to hear a lot of, lot of stuff, but don't let it dissuade you. If you want more information on how to navigate all this stuff and, and, and thrive in this financial chaos we're, going to be, we're dealing with, contact me, toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. I'm going to wrap up with a couple more things that I think are very, very valuable and help us understand what to expect, what's going to happen through 2023. Folks, I wish I had more positive news for you, but I do believe we're still in for a rocky ride. We still have record inflation, high interest rate environment, which doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. The personal savings rates of Americans are now approaching lows, all-time lows. There are just many re- the, the federal government spending has been record highs, but there are good there are some things that are encouraging that are going to, I believe, going, we're going to see happen to start the process back. It's going, to, it's going to be somewhat painful at times, but we either take a little bit of pain now or a whole lot of pain later. What I mean by that is if, if we don't turn around this fiscal, uh, gain some fiscal responsibility with our government, then those are going to be forced upon us, like things like, uh, uh, you know, what we saw in Greece, okay, austerity measures in Greece about a decade ago, stuff like that. You don't think it can happen here? By golly, it sure can. But here's to give you another example of some one of the problems and then some of the good news. I didn't even realize this until I read it. I was like, holy cow. It, we're approaching within the next, you know, next uh, couple of months 100 million U.S. residents on Medicaid. That's about all, nearly a third of Americans, almost one out of three Americans on Medicaid, which is government-paid health care. Now, why are there so many people on Medicaid? Well, turns out one of the COVID policies would not allow states to take people off of Medicaid. And so, therefore, it's costing – there are over 21 million ineligible enrollees in Medicaid right now as we speak. There was this 21 million people who are, ha- are receiving Medicaid and, f- and frankly, should not. And it's costing the government $16 billion per month. Actually, I should back up. It's not costing the government anything. It's costing us taxpayers $16 billion a month to pay for 21 million people who, who are ineligible for Medicaid, but they're receiving it anyway. And the, and they can, and the states can't take them off the rolls until April 1st. 
of this year. That's the good news. The part of the COVID emergency, the federal COVID emergency, was about um, not not allowing people to be off of Medicaid to get them on the government government pay government uh, health care system. And you know, you wonder why people vote for Democrats, frankly, who mostly support this kind of stuff. Look, if you're getting paid or you're getting benefits, sure, you're probably going to vote for that. Most people would. So it's really a buy, you know, what's the reason behind it? It's a buy voting voting scheme, right? Well, the good news is, like I said, starting April 1st of 2023, states are going to be able to start taking off these people that are not eligible for the system and the and then the, the, that money will stop flowing, so that will stop paying. That's part of the reason we have so much debt and why we're hitting the debt ceiling far earlier than most people expected, okay? Other problems, though, that causes this, yeah, the federal matching funds for the additional recipients will also discontinue on April 1st. So the states will start taking them off because it will cost them. But also, as welfare enrollment increases, workforce participation decreases. That's a well-known fact. We're in the midst of a nationwide workforce crisis, yet the Biden administration keeps pushing policies and it entices people into government dependency at record levels while limiting opportunities to pursue the American dream. And that's a fact. It, it, it's just it's insidious. It's evil. It's it's sad. But these this current administration is encouraged people, like I said, to get on government dependency instead of the land of opportunity. And they're doing that so that people will vote for them. Let's be real. Now, also what's sad is the current administration is also slow-walking the process, hoping states will be sluggish to act in terms of taking people off the rolls. I don't think they will because they're, they're going to be on the hook for the money. So I think they're kind of out of luck on that. We will see. But uh, that's another problem, reason why we have so much debt. But also, thankfully, thankfully, the solution is is finally starting to come around. In other words, stop paying paying for people that are not eligible. Okay, we don't need to pay the health care for twenty one million people who are not eligible. All right, I mean I I'm I have I have uh, how should I say I, I I'm I'm at a loss for the word right now that I'm thinking trying to think of. But you know I understand some people have a need. There's a legitimate genuine needs. And, you know, I understand that and, and having a system, something there in place for those to help those people, uh, I'm sympathetic to that, okay? But to be paying for far more people that shouldn't be on it anyway, that are totally ineligible, normally speaking, and, and, and to be paying $16 billion a month, that's just ridiculous. I'm sorry, just ridiculous. And, and, and frankly, the system's probably too gener- far more generous than it needs to be, okay? Some other good news. The Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell said, we'll not dabble in social policy. We want to stick to our knitting. I like that because this whole thing about equity and inclusion and all this all this other stuff, climate-related financial risks, he said, look, we need just to focus on what we're good at and not wander off and pursue social benefits that are not tightly linked to their goals and authorities. And finally, that we're starting to see some pushback from some people in places of authority like Jerome Powell, the Federal Federal Reserve Chairman, saying, "You know what? This climate climate stuff that's not that's not our wheelhouse. We're not going to deal with it. It's not that important." And he's right. He's absolutely right. I'm glad to see that. I guess what it comes down to is what's so frustrating 
is this whole idea with with spending, government spending, and and record debt is a relatively new phenomenon. And this is what I mean by that. You know, in fact, even the Democratic Party, this is interesting, the Democratic Party used to be about economic growth, lower taxes, and smaller government. And it and if you want to go back to even like JFK, the things that he was he said in 1960, he goes, our economy can and must grow, and we shall expand the economy. Okay, that was the Democratic national platform in 1960. 1968, it was to maintain steady economic growth by helping through tax reduction to stimulate the economy when it's sluggish. That's the Democratic Party platform in 1968, reducing, helping the economy through tax reduction. In 1992, the Democratic Party platform is we reject big government theory that says we can tax or spend our way to prosperity. We honor business as a noble endeavor. That was in 1992. In 96, it's the, the, the govern, Democratic Party platform was today's Democratic Party knows that the era of big government is over. Okay, Big bureaucracies and Washington solutions are not the real answers to today's challenges. We need a smaller government. That was in 1996. And even in 2000, the Democratic Party platform says we, we believe in the end of big government. We support startups, small businesses, and entrepreneurs. Boy, have things changed. 2004, in fact, I'll even go as recent as 2008. The Democratic Party platform was the American people do not want government to solve all our problems. We will shine a light on government spending. Now, of course, they never did that kind of stuff. But at least they were saying it. Wow, have things changed. And that's why it's been so frustrating and we're just seeing how this spending, reckless spending, is not working. And unfortunately, we're paying the price. Look, anyone with any common sense would have known that it wasn't going to work. But they had an agenda. I've talked about this so many times. But I believe that agenda is really starting to fall apart. Here's another one of the stupid re- stupid things that are happening that are just infuriating why, why we have so much debt and inflation. We have a situation where the the U.S. military is spending $62 million to rename bases uh, that were associated with Confederate names. You want to talk about a stupid waste of money? $62 million? I mean, could we just not spend that money? I mean, that would be the best scenario. That's just plain stupid, Okay. I mean, at the very least, if you're going to spend it, spending on something worthwhile, maybe help out the troops. Ever thought of that? You know what I'm saying? Um, here's another good positive positive note. Even we're seeing J.P. Morgan Chase, the CEO, he's one of the most, uh, Jamie Dimon, it turns out, he's one of the most widely respected and influ- influential executives on Wall Street. And his statement is, we're going to have to fix this. And he's referring to the soaring national debt. So, again, we're starting to see some people say, you know what, this is getting to be a real problem that we need to address. And, frankly, folks, that's music to my ears because I've been talking about this and been frustrated about this situation. I was frustrated with Bush Jr. spending too much money, okay? This, that compassionate conservatism, if you remember that. 
It was nothing more than a way to spend more money. It was the establishment types just spending more money, not the, uh, um, not the uh, economic concern, uh, those that are economically responsible, financially responsible. Again, things are getting so bad. Finally, finally, we've got people starting to step up and do something about it. Here's the last thing I want to share about bad news, and I'll share some good news. Folks, Social Security and Medicare are going to be, are going to be insolvent soon if something's not done about it. And I'm ta- you're talking about soon. I'm talking about the trust fund looks like it's going to run out of money in 2034. Folks, this is 2023. So you're talking about another 12, 13 years for the Social Security trust fund is projected to run out of money. And is this, mis- and this, is this uh, scare tactics? No, this is from the Board of Trustees of Social Security. These are the people that run Social Security are telling us they're going to run out. They're, the trust fund's going to run out of money in about 12, 13 years. In fact, the trustees for um, Medicaid are stating that, uh, or Medicare, I'm sorry, are going to run out even sooner. It's something like in another six or seven years. Okay? Now, I don't want anybody to panic who's on Social Security. What they're stating is the trustees es- estimate the tax revenues will be enough to pay 75 to 80% of benefits for at least 75 years. So in other words, the worst case scenario is if you're on Social Security and it happens to be 2034 and the politicians don't manage to figure anything out and, and, and stop spending so much of our money, then there'll be an across-the-board reduction in benefits of around 20 to 25%. Now, with inflation and everything else that's going on right now, that's not good news, Okay. But it's not the end of the world at the same time. Folks that are 50 plus will most likely see some benefits probably in the 75 to 80 percent range at least of what Social Security would be because tax revenues will generate that. There just won't be enough money to pay the full benefit that they are receiving or would be receiving at that time. Why is this so important? You need to plan accordingly. So many people are living longer. And another 12 years or so is not that far down the road, even if you're already retired. So my point is you need to plan accordingly for this. And having money, having a diversification strategy where not necessarily everything's at risk, where it's uncertain what's going to happen. Right now we've got a lot of uncertainty. But having some guarantees, knowing your money's going to grow, knowing it's going to be there when you need it, Having insured, guaranteed, tax-free even, because who knows what tax rates are going to be in the future. I believe those are, going to, those are important things are, and going to become more important in the future as we, get, as we move forward. If you want more information on this, contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. I'll show you how you can lock down and ensure that, that you have enough money to live on or to retire on so that if and when this situation occurs, for example, with Social Security, cutting benefits by 20, 25%, you're okay. You've got the funds. You get, they're there to live on. Again, it's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. And as long as it's on our money, in God we trust. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. 
This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and writers may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and bake line of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.